Hey everyone, welcome to Sports with Friends. We appreciate the downloads and the listens. And uh, the last couple of episodes, if you've uh, been subscribing and you haven't been driving anywhere, you don't go to a gym anymore, uh, Mike Yam, formerly of Pac-12 Network. Uh, before that, the new play-by-play voice of the Washington football team. We're going to get used to saying that. Bram Weinstein was there. Uh, Diane Shaw, David Sampson, Peter Boddy, uh, John Halama, and many, many more. Uh, today's guest has uh, been on the show before, but it was entering a different time. First of all, I would say we had about 3% of our current audience. And again, how much I appreciate that. And we used to do stories, stories more than guests. If I had a guest, it was Bob Costas, but stories is when we would talk about a topic and have somebody who was an expert on the topic who happened to be a friend. Peter Schwartz from WFAN, CBS, and he's got 76 other jobs and he's gonna tell us all of them, came on when the rumor was that the Islanders who were playing at Barclays Center, let's just show you how long they've been playing there because this was episode 89 and we're on 264. But the Islanders were leaving, they, they didn't wanna play at Barclays Center. And that was a controversy because the rumor was if they couldn't find a place to play, they were going to leave New York and they were never leaving New York, but we had to get the scoop and we did so from Peter Schwartz. Now, knowing Peter Schwartz for over a decade, you know, this guy has the greatest stories in the world. So let's get him to tell some stories. Dance monkey. Welcome back, Peter. Well, Seth, thank you for having me, but I have to tell you, I'm extremely disappointed. I, I when you called me, I thought, you were calling to see how I was doing after the Islanders lost in overtime again last night. So I, but if you're I, listening I, I, to this in the future, we don't know what the Islanders might have won the Stanley Cup. So <laughs> now you just jinxed it because somebody <laughs> listen to this podcast going, "Hey, Peter, they lost that game, but they wound up winning 76 straight." You don't know. <laughs> well, thank you for having me. No, welcome. You're uh, you're you're definitely welcome. And it's weird because we're recording this the first week of September, and the NHL playoffs are going on. The yep. hockey, the basketball playoffs are going on. They've actually been pretty good. Um, the U.S. Open just started. Football's half starting, and baseball's going on. And it's the st- you literally have all the sports going on at one time. So even though nobody can go to any of these games, is this a golden time? Is this amazing for a sports fan? Because to me, it's just very very weird. I watched the double overtime of Tampa and, uh, and Boston. And I flip between that and Naomi Osaka at Flushing Meadows. Like what in the world's going on here? <laughs> it's, it's weird. And, I, and I'll tell you, it's um, the last time I went to a, a sporting event was on March 7th. Um, and it, it's been a long time. I, I joke with people that the, the longest I went without going to a sporting event uh as opposed to now was the nine months before I was born. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> You've been going to games your whole life. Yeah. I mean, so th- this is, and, and, and I've been going to games with my family, you know, for the last, you know, uh, 15 years. So um, it, it's weird. I, I'll say this. Um, and I, I, and you know, from seeing my posts on Twitter, how I think if you're going to allow people to go to the beach and you allow people to go, to restaurants and people can fight the crowds at the supermarket. I don't know why you can't have a small number of people, you know, going to a sporting event. I'm not saying 50,000 people. I'm talking obviously a much smaller number than that, but watching all of these games at home 
with my family, it, it's actually like subsided my anger over not being able to go mm. because we've had so many great family nights, especially during this Islanders playoff run. Because uh, my kids, I had to show my kids YouTube videos to prove to them that the Islanders used could. to really be good. Um, <laughs> so the fact that they're they're experiencing this run now, uh, I, I love to see it because they, they literally don't have to watch YouTube videos anymore. They're seeing it on television, and they were seeing it at the games before the pandemic hit. But it's it's bizarre. I I think I think it's um, a strange time in our lives. Um, in a way, it's brought families together because we're spending a lot of time. Um, some people will say it's too much time, but, um, I don't think you could ever spend too much time with your family, uh, from a sports perspective though. I, I, I think it's kind of been, uh, it's really been interesting and it's actually been very, very cool at times to be able to experience all of these games, uh, at home, uh, together because, you know, there have been some times where I've gone to games to cover them. I've just gone with my wife. I've just gone with one of my kids and then the other, um, you know, obviously we, we go as a family, but uh, to be able to sit at home and watch all this stuff and flip the channel, like you just said before, you know, we're, we're watching the Islander game this week and during intermissions, my, my son is turning the channel to go see what the Mets are doing. He goes, all right, dad, let's go see how the Yankees are doing. Um, and it's going gonna, it's gonna, to uh, add another level of that when, when football starts. So um, long answer to your short question, um, I'll say it's been interesting um and cool at the same time and there have been some sports where COVID is completely out of mind you and I talked about this before we had you on you know the isolation sports I'm I, I'm fascinated with first of all the hockey the presentation of it it looks mm -hmm. right um the the way they did those custom-made tarps and now the other sports are starting to follow so it doesn't look like someone just draped over the stands like those things look like they belong and I could do without the crowd, the fake crowds, and, and that's just my personal yeah. preference. But, and I, a lot of people that I talk to, they all agree. So I don't know where they're getting this idea that silence is a bad thing because I like the rink and I like the skating and I like all the other noises. And I, I, I see the value. But the NHL arena, either one, either bubble, uh, they look really top flight. The basketball looks a little like AAU <laughs> in the sense that it looks like they're in a gym. Like, and what yeah. I would have done is I would have painted the paint. And do you know how they superimpose the, the home team logo? I would have done that in the middle. Take right. the NBA logo out. Put the, the Heat logo or the Milwaukee Bucks or the Lakers or whomever. Yeah. And put the, just make it feel a little bit uh, like it's a home arena. And make them wear their white uniforms at home, please. Because they switch jerseys all the time in the gosh darn NBA. And I don't understand why, and they do it for dumb reasons. And I don't mind the, 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 the words on the back and the Black Lives Matter. That, I have no problem with that. Right. But make it feel like if it's a Laker game, make me feel like I'm watching a Lakers home game, not another game in the same bubble. Right. And I, I, I'm totally with you on that on a couple of things. Obviously, the, I don't like the fake crowd noise, although I did have – Oh, I, um, I did have Islanders TV announcer Brendan Burke on my podcast a few weeks ago. Plug your podcast because podcasts do not compete against each other. Tell me. <laughs> so I do, a, I do a Schwartz on Sports podcast that people there can find go. it at New York Sports Day. It's a website that I also write some stories for, and I, I think it's available on other means too. But you can go to www.nysportsday.com and 
go to my page there and you can see all my podcasts. And one of these days you'll be on it too. There you since, go. Uh, now I'm now I'm winning two nothing being on yours. Two nothing. That's right. Yeah. Uh, but um, you know, when I had him on, um, I, I asked. I said, "Listen, you know, you can watch these games now, and it really doesn't sound like you're not there." And I, I meant, you know, as a compliment, there there are some pitfalls to it. But one of the things he said that has made it easier for him was the fake crowd noise. He felt like if he did not have the fake crowd noise, it would be like he was sitting on the couch next to me or you um, and just and talking. I don't know. Uh, and, and, and maybe I would feel differently if I was calling games um, in, in, that, in that fashion. But I just, I, I just think it sounds phony. When you, when you know there's nobody at the game. Right. Um, I, the, the NHL presentation has – to me, far and away, been the best. It's depressing yeah. watching the baseball and seeing the empty seats. Obviously, we'll get, we'll get to baseball. We'll just, yeah, it remains to be put seen that on what a, on a burner. It remains to be seen what the football is going to be like when we're watching the games. With some stadiums are going to have a few thousand people. Some stadiums are going to have nobody. Um, but I, I don't. I don't like the fake crowd noise. I don't like foxes. Um, you know, putting the fake fans especially when it, it, it's not applicable on all the camera angles. You could see it on some of them and not on the others. But <laughs> I didn't even the, realize that. <laughs> yeah, the, ho- the, hockey, the hockey has been great. They've done a great job dressing up the buildings. Um, you watch the game, and I'll, I'll be honest with you, I mean, the, you know, the, the players and the coaches, I've been on a you know, bunch of the Islanders media availabilities, and they say it's, it's still very quiet in the building because they don't hear what we right. hear on television. Right. But um, when you watch the games on TV – and you get into it, like you really don't realize that there's nobody at the game. Baseball, there's there's examples of that all over the place, um, and even to the point where the announcers they don't stop bringing up that they're not there. That they're not there. They talk. Well, there's so much downtime, and part of that is baseball's slower than when you and I first met. Mm-hmm. When you and I first met, it was a different game. And, and I think it was more than ten years ago. By the way, I think it's you, easily more I, than ten years. I think you shortchanged our friendship at the beginning of the show. <laughs> there you go. How do I have this podcast? They should take it away from me. <laughs> um, the, the, but the thing about baseball that I noticed just from a COVID standpoint is because I know they're not isolated, because I was against this season from the start, because I, I know the sloppiness of the protocol book where they don't tell the players anything to do when they get out of the ballpark, they – I, what I see when I watch baseball is I'm constantly watching and I see the guys not um, sitting behind the dugout, you know, in that tented area. Yeah. The, the, if you're not in the game at that moment, you're supposed to be back there and no yeah. one does. No one does it. The high fives, the, 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 the pitcher visits where they're not wearing masks and th- that's all I think about. And yeah. I don't, I'm not obsessed with COVID. What I'm saying is, when it's baseball, that's a mess. I was against it, and I have a bigger issue with baseball in that their collective bargaining agreement is coming up. And give credit to Gary Bettman, and I've said this on this podcast before, they extended their CBA by four years while putting that bubble together. Right. And what, the, what MLB was doing, first of all, the owners were lying because the owners saying that they're broke is garbage because just <laughs> – open up the books from 19, 18, 17, 16, 20, 15, 14, 30, how far you want to go back? Like that's all it is. And they have slush funds on top of slush funds. So that's nonsense. And there were at least 10 owners that didn't want to do it. The San Diego Padres owner just said, they're going to lose a hundred million dollars because they played. They would have saved that money had they not played 
and give their their owner credit because they're going out and trying to win. Hey, if you're going to play, you might as well try to win. But this right. argument for baseball was I would have locked them in a room and just said quarantine for 14 days and then do not come out until you get a a collective bargaining agreement because if you think people were mad when baseball was fighting and you were one of the people that were mad, I follow you on social media when they were fighting over money. Imagine we get out of this pandemic, we're back and fans can go back and that's when you have a labor stoppage. Yeah. If you think the vitriol was bad now, just (laughs) wait till next year. And I said, what I would have done was chalk this season up to COVID and nobody would have fought you. And then on top of that, come back April 2021 with a five-year CBA, fans in the stands, and do it right. And not this hodgepodge mm-hmm. Shamil Shamazel season here with every team's making the playoffs and you win the division, you got to have a three-game series. It's all stupid. And I don't like it when people are calling that sport that I grew up loving yeah. stupid. I tend to agree with you on a lot of that. Here's what I would say. I, I think if there was a way for them to salvage the season, I think that was the way to go. Because we were – obviously, and, and, and there, there are similarities to 9-11 with this, and there's, there's ways where it's completely different. But I think sports has always been a way for um, our country to bounce back from adversity. It's not a complete replacement for whatever disaster happened – but I think, and you saw this after 9-11, how sports soothed a lot of people around the country. And I think having sports back in the middle of the pandemic, even just by able to, being able to watch the games on TV, I think has been very soothing for a lot of people because it did bring a bit of a sense of normalcy back to, to a lot of people. I, I, I'd love to be able to go to a, a baseball game. I'd love to be able to go to a hockey game. I certainly would love to be able to go to a football game this fall, but that's not the case right now. So having the games on television is very soothing and it, it kind of makes you feel like things are normal. But the problem with baseball was that they just can never get out of their own way when it comes to these kind of things. And they always wind up um, being, uh, you know, the, the, the point of emphasis by fans ire. Um, there was no reason for that. I mean, they, there was no reason for this season to only be 60 games. They could have played a hundred game season. Had they just been serious about it, and just come together like the NHL was able to do, and you never heard the word boo about it. Everything was done behind the scenes. And like you mentioned before, they they wound up with a new collective bargaining agreement that um, protects the game for the next number of years. Had baseball just done that from the outset when the pandemic hit in March and you shut it down, I mean, there would be no criticism of what happened. They just can never get out of their own way. And the other thing, too, with this, Seth, the, the, the bigger issue to me than the, the major league season being a sham of what it normally is, is the fact that we lost the whole minor league baseball season too. Well, and, the, the, and, that, and, and that's the owner's fault because they could have subsidized it. Right. And, 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 and you could have canceled it yeah. and not played it, but you could have, so you didn't have to release a thousand minor leaguers. Right. Owners it, that are making it was, money. It was compl- shame on them. Yeah. It, I mean, the way they completely handled it was, was totally wrong. And listen, Minor league baseball. Let, let's say you know, you know, three four months from now, we're we're in a better place in this country, and things are starting to get back to normal, and you know, people can go to games again. Regardless of the pandemic, 
minor league baseball is going to look different next year because there's talk of 42 yeah. teams being contracted. Now that could help the independent leagues because there'll be some really good markets where they could put independent, t- you know, those, those, those franchises could become part of these independent leagues like out here on Long Island with the Ducks and um, you have the New York Boulders up, uh, you know, up in, uh, in, in Rockland. So that could work, but just major league baseball just seems like it's, it's such an effort for them to get it right most of the time and that that's that's the frustrating thing I, I'm, I'm enjoying watching the games that sometimes it's depressing with the empty seats but i'd rather have the games than not have the games yeah i mean we're splitting hairs at that point i yeah. i just thought you know i don't want to hear them cry poverty and what i was afraid of and you know it happened so we've seen it but thankfully you know none of our friends and you and i have so many mutual friends what i was afraid of and i you know I don't want to get into this whole COVID and what it does to young people versus old people and all that stuff. But you know, the people that work in baseball, you know, the people, the league officials, you know, the trainers, you know, the equipment guys, they're all older. And what I was afraid of is players not taking it seriously. And two, my surprise, more players have, but I've been, I've been surprised by more players not taking it seriously. And then infecting people we like and i right. i thought about and i've told him this mike swanson the pr guy for the kansas city royals he's been with the diamondbacks and he was with the rockies when i got my first major league job covering the rockies and i've known him for 30 you know 25 years whatever it is and the reality of it is is my fear was that some jackass on the royals wasn't taking this seriously and now mike mike swanson's in the hospital and mm-hmm. that's what i feared and that wasn't anti-sports, and it's funny because by the time baseball got back, the hockey and basketball started a week later. So right. in reality, we would not have missed this for, for at all, and this baseball season could disappear, and we'd be fine for sports because, again, the bubble sports have done great and football starting, and we'll get to football in a second, but the bubble sports have been fantastic, and if that's not gripping your attention – well, watching slow ass baseball is not going to do the trick. <laughs> and I and I don't like what I don't like the the changes that they've made. Uh, they they say is in the best interest of safety. I I don't like the seven inning uh, doubleheader games. I I don't like them adapting the the minor league uh, uh, extra inning uh, rule. I mean, uh, it's it, to me it was just that their way of. Of, of saying, well, we're looking out for the players. And then opening night, Yankees and Nationals are waiting two hours in a rain delay. You didn't want the guys at the ballpark. Why didn't you just bang the game after a half an hour and 45 minutes? So they, they, they so go stupid. back and forth and they say so one stupid. thing and meet another. So so I, I just I, – I, I don't mind – listen, I would have liked more than 60 games, but let's be honest. The guys are at the ballpark, play a nine-inning game. What's the big deal? Um, but they just couldn't get out of their own way again this year. More on Sports with Friends in just a moment. First, a message from our friends at Bet Online. There is no shortage of action going on with our exclusive partners, Bet Online. Sports are back. NBA playoffs continuing. The NHL playoffs underway. Baseball is in full swing, actually. There's also UFC, boxing, NASCAR, soccer. Bet Online has the best odds and lines for the upcoming games and matches. Need more? 
BetOnline has simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC happening every day live for you to check out. Looking for something else other than sports? Well, BetOnline has hundreds of live casino games, poker tournaments, and the best props in the business. Visit our good friends and exclusive partner at Podcast One, BetOnline, to take advantage of the best bonuses in the business. Sign up for a free account and make sure to use that promo code PODCAST1 for your sign-up bonus. Visit betonline.ag or use your mobile device and join now to receive your new welcome bonus and start playing today. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. My proposal that I had in April, and this isn't about the hotspots because they weren't, we were living in the hotspot. We live in the New York area. Um, well, we it's not a hotspot anymore. Not anymore. But when I had this idea, back in April, yeah. we didn't know what was happening. And New York was overrun, right? The Javits Center and the, 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 the Tennis Center, they were makeshift hospitals. And it was a mess. And New York had it really, really bad. And what I had suggested was an 81-game season in Florida and Arizona. Get rid of the American and National League, do cactus and grapefruit, but do it in September, October, and November. 90 games, 81 games in 90 days. And what my suggestion was, was do it in September, October, November, and have the playoffs in the World Series as regular in, the, in December. And I thought about his history. And I said, there's historical precedent because we had a national tragedy that led to the creation of the phrase, Mr. November. And this is enough of a tragedy that we could give an excuse to have a Mr. Right. December. And my reasoning behind that was you could somewhat isolate in Arizona and Florida and the weather. I didn't want that over the summer because it's a thousand degrees in Phoenix no, and, I, I, and you I can't like play inside. I don't like the sweat. No, I know that. But my, but my, my argument was, do it in the time when the weather is decent. And I called our buddy at the union and he laughed at me. I called somebody at the league. They were like, no, and Manfred hates me anyway. And it's in it, it, whatever it is that they, they're so unwilling to budge. And I asked Tori Hunter on this podcast, I said, do you think the players will respect the quarantine rules? And his literal answer was quarantine rules. He said, these players are going to be on Tinder during the national anthem. Like there was no hesitation in his voice. And I said, this is hodgepodge and this is bad. And I said, I, I, this I'm not a fan of. And I, I was afraid for it. I, I, I really was. This is not why we had you on though. This is not like this. <laughs> well, I, I, I have no stories to share because I haven't been covering the major leagues this year. I can just have my opinion from watching at home. But you have all your other stories. I have a lot of stories. Have you thought about writing a book? You know, my wife tells me all the time I should she write, says, a write a book. She tells me I, I've actually, I've sat down uh, three times in my life to start typing. And I just, I can't keep my focus long enough to do it. I have them all up here in my head, um, all the th things I would write. Then I thought about writing a children's book. Once I became a father and my kids started to play sports, I thought about writing a children's sports book. Um, and I was actually approached by a book company because I saw, I saw a similar book that was for a different team. Um, I'm not going to bring in the sport of the teams or whatever. Um, but I, I, I was then approached by a, a sports publishing, book publishing company 
to write a book about the team that would have interested me. And it would have been a self-publishing book. And I just, I, I didn't want to, I didn't want to put like a, a lot of blood, sweat and tears into it. That would be a disaster. So I decided not to, but I, my, my wife and I talk about it all the time because you should write a book and you're not the only media friend I have that has, that has said that to me because I, I've seen a lot in 31 years of doing this. You've been doing this. So, so give the, the, okay, this is another thing that some of my audience will not understand, but if you've listened for any of the 260 some odd episodes we've done, Give me the Reader's Digest version of your upbringing. So you, where'd you go to school and how'd you start and how'd you get into this business? Well, I realized when I was very young. See, this that is I chapter was, one. Just transcribe this. <clears throat> well, I'll just, well, just transcribe the podcast. So I realized when I was pretty young that I was no good at sports. I love to watch it with my dad, but I was no good at it. So I'm like, you know what? I'm watching the game on TV with him one day and I'm like, you know, maybe I'd like to do that for a living one day, talk about sports, write about sports, whatever. So um, I used to take a tape recorder with me to Nassau Coliseum, do play-by-play of Islander games into a tape recorder. Um, I know other broadcasters have had that you know, similar story to that. Uh, so I used to do that. But I went to college at Buffalo State, upstate you know, Western nice. New York, and majored in broadcasting there, and, um, which was a great four years. And my first job out of college – uh, was with Sports Phone. You remember Sports Phone, right? Nine seven six one three one three. It was. Yep. It was really to be. You know, it, it was a great first job in sports, and a lot of New York area sportscasters came through Sports Phone. But it was obviously for the gamblers. I mean, you know, you needed to know before sure. the internet. I mean, you needed to know who won the game, and they, we had Sports Phone Live. So, the, well, give really put, big, put some context. Give the year that you, what year did you graduate college? So that's eighty nine. I graduated. You're like college. seven years older than me, and sports radio was in its infancy. Yeah. W WFAN started while I was away at college. To put right. that into the, the world, they're the right. obviously the first all sports radio station in the United States. So they went on the air. Um, I want it was 1988, right? 87, uh, 87, 87, 87. We had uh, was, Jody so McDonald, was, and I'm going to get the episode number. Continue. Yeah, so, so they went on the air in 87, and I actually interned at WFAN between my junior and senior year in college. I turned down a job with the Buffalo Bisons AAA baseball team, who I had interned for while I was in school. Oh, cool. I turned down a summer job with them, and the guy who actually took the job wound up getting hired full-time. But I have no regrets over it because <laughs> I interned at the fan, and I wound up getting hired by them as a production assistant after I graduated. But sports phone was my main job. I went on to you know, work at a bunch of like long, different Long Island radio stations over the years. Um, then I, I worked full-time for ESPN Radio's New York station. Um, right. I worked at Sirius. I, mean, I can give you my whole resume. But well, no, <laughs> but, but, but at that point, at that point, again, when you interned for the fan, the fan was, nobody knew what it was. So I interned no. there in 94 and it was on, you know, it had not been around a decade at that point, but it was already like Mike and the Mad Dog were the top of the, mm -hmm. of the thing. I miss you interned for I miss like your internship and my internship, the whole station had evolved between them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, when I interned, so Howie Rose was obviously there at that point. Um, Rose. I worked with the likes of Steve Levy when he was there. Ah, um, uh, 
when I came back in between semesters after my internship and I was running the board, I ran the board for a Chris Russo overnight show. Nice. And a Steve Summers overnight show. Uh, Ed, obviously, Ed Randall. Was I mean, remember Lou Palmer, from e Lou Palmer from ESPN yeah. did a show on the fan on the weekends. So, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was different, and it was in that basement in Astoria. Yep. And, and the, Where the they stories, filmed uh, the Cosby show and Sesame Street. It, and the stories that people say about it being like in the dungeon, the dingy dungeon of Astoria um, is, is true. And not long ago, my family and I went to uh, the museum uh, right around the corner from where FAN was in Astoria, the um, uh, Museum of TV, whatever, uh, Moving Images is there in Astoria. And I, I drove past, drove past the, um, the building where FAN is, and I'm like, I can't believe that WFAN was in the basement of this building. Yep. It's a nice building, and the basement's not nice. No. <laughs> The yep. couch was a little dirty. Oh, it was a gross place. It was gross, <laughs> but you were so happy to be there. Yeah. And it was so exciting. And it was, you know, and I always say that the summer, I win the summer internship battle because my summer, the Rangers won the Stanley Cup. The Knicks went to the finals. Uh, OJ happened and the baseball strike all in one summer. And I, I challenge anybody to beat that in terms of some quintessential events it wasn't that i wasn't the best intern and i wasn't you know i there was nothing i did to deserve that that was literally the greatest summer to me of modern new york sports i know everybody talks about 69 and all these other other years 1994 is a crazy crazy new york year and the yankees were on their way to winning the world series that year right. until the, sh the strike until the hit. strike and i covered john schweibacher let me cover the last Mets game because every intern got to go to one Mets game and I just happened to pick that day and it was the last day before the strike and it was the weirdest thing and I equated it because we had Ryan Rucco on the show another mutual friend when he was calling the game after Adam Silver had announced the suspension of play mm -hmm. and uh, the poise that he showed and it reminded me of that game where people didn't understand should I run to first base like what's the difference we're going on strike this is all weird and that that's the I just remember that vibe of that baseball strike and you had already entered the business by then I was in, I was in the business at that point so I was done at sports phone at that point and I was working um at WABC radio doing sports updates weekends and filling in other times um but what I remember about 94 and that strike was that that was Phil Rizzuto was going into the Hall of Fame, if I remember correctly, at that point. Mm -hmm. The Yankees were having a night for him, and the night for Phil Rizzuto was supposed to be after the strike started, and they changed the date of it to a couple of weeks. The strike was coming. Wow. A couple weeks before, and I went with my friend. We, we happened to have tickets for the game that they were rescheduled it for, just by complete sheer luck um, that we were at the game. And I remember him pleading to the players not to do it, to – to think about everything. And, um, but that, that's my takeaway. I try to forget the spring of 94 because, you know, I want to block out that the Rangers won the Stanley cup that year. Right. I hated the Rangers, but it was cool. Cause I went to the Ranger. Now there was nothing, Seth, there was nothing cool about it at all. Oh, it was awful. And my team got beat. I'm a devil's yeah. fan. And my I was, team got beat, I was, a, and they were I was the a flagship. I and, was a big devil's fan. That's that spring. <laughs> That was a crazy. Thank, thank you, thank you for blowing year. Game Six. Game Six at the Meadowlands. That was the and that was the guarantee game, and that was mm -hmm. uh, crazy, crazy indeed. Um, 
what is not as a fan, as a professional, what's the best sporting event you've covered? Wow. Because obviously you're going to say like the Islanders winning the cup is your favorite moment. Like you're a, you're a right. fan. Right. Well, I mean, I, I, to and me, you wear it on your been... sleeve. Like you don't, you don't, you right. lie about it and you don't apologize for it. Well, right? I, well, and I, and I, and I say all the time to people that if you tell me that I can't be a sports fan anymore, um, to stay in the business, I have to stop rooting for my team. I just would leave the business and go, right. you know, go work at the supermarket or something like that, because that's just not who I am. But it's, I mean, to me, there's been nothing more um, special, um, I think, than covering Super Bowls. And I've covered six Super Bowls. I've been, I've been fortunate to cover the major sports championships, all four of them, at one point. Um, but I, I think the six Super Bowls I've covered, uh, just because it's the whole week leading up to it mm. and, and all the things that are going on, I'm, I, I, ha I would probably have to say – that those, as, as just a singular sporting event. event, most important, most significant, I'd say the Super Bowls. I, I will say that. Do you remember uh, offhand, can you, can you tell us which Super Bowls they were? So I was fortunate. I was at John Elway's last game. The Super that's Bowl he the won 99, in Miami. 99. Yes. So that's uh, funny because I was at 98. I covered the Broncos in 98 and then left to go to Seattle. And they went to the Super Bowl again, which I thought was impossible because he right. was a veteran at the time. People thought he was shutting it down anyway. And when they went again, so 99, that's when they beat the Falcons. They beat and the I Falcons. Couldn't believe it. Um, I couldn't believe that I had passed up the chance to go to the Super Bowl. <laughs> well, the thing about that game was, was that the Falcons beat the Vikings. The Vikings had that game won, and they, their kicker missed a field goal at would have won the game. And the, the Broncos beat the Jets in the AFC Championship game. And the Jets are up 10 nothing oh, in halftime. Right. I already knew I was going to the Super Bowl. I'm like, are you kidding me? I'm going to go to the Super Bowl and see my team in the Super right. Bowl? And, <laughs> and that obviously didn't happen. But it was John Elway's last game. Yep. And um, I actually – this is a funny addendum to that story. So, I, at the seat, when you cover a Super Bowl, you obviously you get that big – you know, the seat cushion, and it's filled yep. with all kinds sure. of stuff, right? Yep. Um, and there's a Super Bowl program. So, I, I like to keep – good amount of souvenirs at home um years later i'm working in the arena football league doing play-by-play -play for the new york dragons and uh john elway uh ran the colorado crush and they came to the nassau coliseum <laughs> uh, for a game against the dragons and it was great because i was able to interview john elway for my halftime show before the game which was to me is oh, more wow. important than the second part of this sure but he did autograph the program for me Oh, cool. <laughs> so I have, I have a John Elway autographed Super Bowl program from his last game he's ever played. Um, but and I, yes, I, I, there I, are people right now listening to this podcast who have heard this podcast before and said, yes, I know. I have a John Elway story. Let, let the man finish. <laughs> um, but that was pretty – that was memorable. I, I yep. think my, the, the most enjoyable week of any of the ones I went to was Indianapolis, uh, which was Giants-Patriots Giants 2. Um, oh, sure. And, and listen, I mean, the, the major cities are always going to get the Super Bowls, the Miamis of the world, the New Orleans of the world. Um, you know, the new L.A. stadium is going to get a Super Bowl. Or, you know, Las Vegas is eventually going to get it. Yeah, and yeah. they're always going to be in that rotation. But I have to tell you that, and I was at a Super Bowl at the Rose Bowl back way back when, but the Indianapolis Super Bowl to me was so cool. Um, and it was my favorite one to cover. 
Uh, hmm. Just because it was the first one that was in Indianapolis, the whole region um, embraced it. Everything was so close together. The, the, the media hotels, the team hotels were literally a few blocks away from each other. Um, I looked out the window of my hotel room and you could see Lucas Oil Stadium. Hmm, yeah, um, everything yeah. in town, right across the street was the convention center. Yep. Everything was so close and the people there were so nice and so friendly. To me, it, the, the, other, the other Super Bowl seemed almost like a convention to me, even though I enjoyed them. The one in Indianapolis was, was very special because it meant so much to the area because it was their first. And I, I really hope they get another one. A model. Used to be a role model. We have a special announcement here to make on the show, and it involves Spotify. How many of you have Spotify? You know, my daughter made us get Spotify because she wanted to listen to music, and then I found out something that really made me cool in my house. We are so excited to announce that Sports with Friends and my other podcast, Hall of Justice, is now available to stream free on Spotify. If you haven't tried listening there yet, it's free to download. Use Spotify on any device. It's a great listening experience. You go straight from listening to your favorite music, Prince, and switch right over to our podcast in the very same app. And when my phone is plugged into my car, my daughter can control the music with her app because we have the same account. Just search for our show, Sports with Friends, on Spotify and start listening free. And remember, it's totally free, even if you're not a premium member. I'll do this real fast. This is 264 episodes. So um, my second year cover, no, first year, 97, no, the year they won the Super Bowl, my second year covering the Broncos. My first year was fall of 96. Uh, when they lost to Jacksonville. And my second year covering the Broncos, uh, you know Lee Frank? You, you must Yeah, the stringer. Frank. You know how many times I probably thrown it to him on sports <laughs> updates? There you go. Lee Frank was a, a good friend of mine, and Lee Frank actually helped me uh, move. Um, he and I uh, rented a rider truck, and we towed my car, and we drove from Denver to Seattle. He's a, he's a great dude. And he got asked to cover the Oklahoma City bombing trial because they had relocated it out of Oklahoma city for Timothy McVeigh and they put it in Denver, Colorado, and he had to go cover it for CBS news. Cause he did mostly news sports was like his side gig. And he says to me, the Broncos are playing. I think it was the Raiders on Monday night football. And we were in cassette mode and you of all people could appreciate. We would we were <laughs> cassettes. <laughs> and I had a Morantz deck and, and cassettes and what Lee Frank's. By the way, how, how bad was that Morantz tape recorder? I had one. It constantly broke. Oh, I loved it. And I hated it. I and he, Lee's idea was two cassettes and that during a scrum switch tapes. So that you start off on your because I was working for the KKFN in Denver. You do five minutes on that one. Take the tape out put the Westwood one tape in and do more interviews. That was his method. And I said, okay, I, you know, I was 23. I didn't know any better. Sure. Okay. I'll do it. And I go in and I was wearing a windbreaker that day and I didn't realize this. No one in the building realized it except for John Elway saw that the Westwood one tape fell out of my jacket and into the grass. 
<laughs> and I don't know this. And I, I don't, I, I don't know that it's missing. I don't, you know, I'm talking to other people. I, you, you know what it's like being at those yeah. events. You never know. And he picks it up and I don't know this. And he puts it in the pocket. You know, the pocket that quarterbacks have that they, they, they you know, they can put their hands in to keep them warm. Yeah. He puts my tape in his pocket and 45 minutes of a workout go by. And now he's getting ready to meet the media and the sun is setting and the sun sets in Denver. And it's gorgeous. Cause you see the mountains and like an angel from heaven. I don't even know it's lost. And this guy comes out and goes, here, kid, you drop this. And I was like, (gasps) and I remember, and I grew up, I was a Jets fan growing up, and I called my friends and I said, I don't care what happens from now until the end of time. I am a Denver Broncos fan and I'm a John Elway's fan. And I was convinced he saved my ass. Uh And they won the Super Bowl that year. And I still believe in karma. And I, I, I believe that that happened. And that's my John Elway. And John Elway saved my life once. And that, that's, that's, that will never go down. And I remember when they beat the Packers and, and, and Pat Bowen is going, this one's for John. And I'm standing there like a dope. And I'm standing there going, and he saved my life. <laughs> like, I, <laughs> I, I, I never forgot it. I never forgot it. And I couldn't believe it. And that's when I thought he was ending his career then. And right. he wound up coming back that year, and I didn't see it, and it, it's crazy. Uh, that's a great story, and I, I'm not surprised about him because the the, the handful of times that I've ever um, interviewed him or, or you know talked to other people about him is that that's the type of person he is. Yeah, I, I have to say, even though, and they won, you know, obviously he won two Super Bowls, and he finally won one as an executive. I don't think he's anywhere near as good of an executive as he was as a, no. as a football player. He got pretty lucky that Peyton Manning was available and, and they got a Super Bowl out of it while he was the you know president and GM. Um, but he, I think overall, just a real special person. But to that end, um, I agree with you. And I, that's where I get nervous hiring legends. Yes. Because you have to fire them at some point. And that's why I was a big Don Mattingly over Joe Girardi person. I wanted Don Mattingly because I thought he was a better manager. And I didn't like Joe Girardi, and I still don't like Joe Girardi. <laughs> and that, 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 that doesn't change anything because um, he's a jerk. Um, but the reality of it is, is I wanted Mattingly, and then I, the, I think the reason he didn't get it was that exact reason. Yeah. How can you fire your icon? Hey, you know when that hit me? Um, when, when Magic Johnson became the coach of the Lakers. Yeah. Uh, he, he, had, he, had, you know, he retired because of the, uh, the AIDS virus, and he came back. He tried to make a comeback, and, and that didn't work out for him. Uh, but then when he came back and became the head coach, I'm like, I don't know about this because, you know, talking to a lot of these guys over 31 years, you know, the star players, the upper echelon players, whether it's a Wayne Gretzky, um, uh, who I thought was not, not a bad coach in, in the NHL, um, but those kind of guys, the Michael Jordans of the world, Larry Bird was not a bad head coach in the NBA. But the thing with those guys when they're a head coach and they're a high executive is they have the expectation that every athlete should be as good as them. And that's obviously not the case. I mean, it's very special to be one of the many players that are in the NBA or the NHL, but there's only one Wayne Gretzky. There's only one Michael Jordan. There, there's only one you know, type of John Elway. So 
that's the, the trouble also when you hire one of these guys and say, oh, he, he was a great player. He'll be a great coach. It doesn't work out that way. Let's look at the, the most successful coaches. If they played in the league that they're coaching in, they were probably a very fringe player. or may, They might not even have played in, you know, in that league at, at all, but they become a great coach. Sure. Uh, there's, there's no uh, secret about it. Um, last question, because I've already taken so much of your time. And I know I, my, my, the, the kids want to turn up the sound on the Xbox. I understand. I understand. <laughs> last question. I'm just joking. <laughs> you, I've known you for a long time. I've known you for your whole life. Yeah. And you are one of the biggest sports fans I have ever known um, mm-hmm. that's in the business. And when I was in, when I hired interns over the course of my career, whenever I hired interns, I always looked for the one who was the, the fan of the business, not the sports. Were you, was, was broadcasting a way for you to get close to the thing that you love the most? Or did you have a similar passion for an industry that has transformed itself in, in current days. And if you could, if I told you, you could be the GM of the Yankees, which you have not pursued radio. If you, if I told you, you could be uh, the, the traveling secretary for the New York jets. I'm, I'm making positions up uh, it, 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 just, just to get a hold of it. Because if I was inter- interviewing intern, Peter, I would have said, he just wants to be a, uh, get a piece of the action was that satisfying or did you love the business as well? And it doesn't speak to your talent because you're very talented at it. Well, thank you. But, but I never got the sense, I got the sense that you love the sports more than you love the business. Um, I think when I, when I mentioned before, you know, when I, growing up, I knew I wasn't very good at sports. So I, I wanted to be involved in it. Um, and I took a liking to broadcasting because it was the way that I connected with my teams, I grew up in Queens and I was an Islander fan and I didn't go to a lot of games cause I lived in Queens, but I watched the games on TV. So I connected with the broadcasters. Um, so from watching the games on television and listening on the radio, I, I felt that what I, my, my way into sports was going to be as a member of the media, it was going to be a radio announcer, a TV announcer, whatever that wound up being. Um, I think the fringe benefit as a sports fan over the years is the fact that, you know, being in the media has brought me closer. And, and listen, and I feel fortunate. I've had a chance to cover my favorite teams, and I try to be professional. I think the best, um, you know, uh, pats on the back I've ever gotten from people is that if you, when, when you, they would hear my reports on the radio, if I was covering the Jets, if I was covering the Yankees, uh, you would hear my reports, and it would. It, you, if you didn't know I was a Jet fan, it wouldn't come out in the reports, and that was the best compliment I ever got. But mm-hmm. I, I, I don't. I, I think to answer your question, I, I, I wanted to be involved with sports, and I wanted it to be on the radio. Um, and I, I, I think as I got into the business, I grew to appreciate the business, appreciate what uh, our industry was all about. Uh, but still maintaining the passion for sports that I have. And I think it's, you know, for me, I, I don't, I don't get the people who are in the business that, that are, that, that are curmudgeons and just don't, don't have a, a you know, a feeling about it. Everything is all about um, doing your job. And granted, that's the most important thing, but I think you have to have a feel 
about it too. I'll give you an example really quick. Uh, in the Jet locker room, so this is 2010, San, uh, San Antonio Holmes was acquired. This is uh, Mark Sanchez. This is uh, D- right. Darrell Revis. This is Rex Ryan. Right, right. So San Antonio, Holmes, San Antonio Holmes, who was not the easiest guy in the world to get along with. He, he came from the Steelers with some, some baggage. And uh, there was a game that season, and I, and, and I for, for, um, apologize for not remembering exactly what the circumstance was, but I want to say he dropped the pass on a critical play in a game. And uh, it was usually if the Jets had media availability on Monday, some of the players would come out, some people wouldn't. He didn't come out the day after, after they had looked at the tape. So now fast forward to Wednesday, which is the big media day um, during the season in the NFL. Wednesday and Thursday are usually the bigger media days. Wednesday, I think, is always bigger. He comes out on Wednesday, and he's thinking he's going to be out there to talk about the next game, which was what I was there for. Well, the beat writers are hammering him about the drop pass. And I don't remember if it was a drop pass. I'm just going to use that as an example. He did something mm-hmm. bad in the game. And they're ham- Seth, they're killing the guy. Granted, some of it he brought upon himself. But listen, he dropped the pass, whatever it was. And five, six times, everyone's trying to ask about the play. I'm like, he dropped the – and I'm saying – and part of me is standing there in the scrum thinking to myself, a great point. number one, I, I need to get him for my job. I need to get him to talk about the next game. Um, but I also feel bad for him that they're, they're putting him through this. So finally I get my chance to, to, to get a question in and I'm like, Hey, and I'm using this, this other team as a, just, I don't remember if that's who they were playing. Hey, uh, San Antonio, you go up against Miami this week. Um, can, can you talk a little bit about, their defense and their challenge. He put his hand on my shoulder and said, thank you. Thank you. Right. Wow. So I think from, from my perspective, it's been, it was a dream come true to be in the business. It was really, really cool to be able to cover my teams over the years. But I think also you have to find at times a happy medium because, and, and I got, I got chewed out by one of the beat writers after that happened we were trying to get him to answer the question. Why did you change the subject? You asked the question five, six, seven, eight times, and he gave you the same answer, and totally. I needed to ask him totally. the other question. So, again, long answer to your short question. Uh, I love sports. I love being in the media, and, and, I, and I like to look at it as that I'm passionate about both of them. I have my concerns about the future of sports radio. I have my concerns about where our business is going down the road. I think this this uh, venue that you and I both do with the podcasting and and other things I think is is going to be a big part of the future. Sure. Um, but I but that does not alleviate my passion for what I do for a living. Well, and yeah, you opened up a whole other can of worms, and we got to have you back now and not wait a hundred <laughs> and something episodes to do so. Um, I love having a podcast about friends. Because I have wanted to ask you that for 20 years. <laughs> I have wanted to ask you that because I remember learning when I was in Seattle and I was the sports director, I used to have to hire interns. Thing that Tom Lee said to me, and he said, find the people that are passionate about radio, not sports. 
And if they come out and they say, I'm the biggest Seahawks fan in the world, say, great, go get an internship with them. And that was what we were told. And then when I met you, and I was fascinated by how much of a fan you were. And I remember being in press boxes. I could be, remember being in the Meadowlands. And you would literally talk about the first half. Everyone else in the media is like talking about their families and their kids and their dating and their this and their that. And you wanted to break down the first half. And I'm like, mm-hmm. wow, you are really into this. And you would talk about going to games. And it's just your nature. that It's yeah. not an insult by any stretch. And I always wondered what that was. And I, Harold Reynolds once said, when you have a podcast that you can say whatever you want, Right. You will ask something. I would never socially ask you that. I would never. I would never. Because that's not etiquette. That's not how guys are. That's not friends. But having a podcast to ask that question is why I have this and why I'll have yeah. this for as long as I'm alive. Well, there's not a more transparent person in the, in the business than I am when it comes to just being, I mean, just being real. I mean, I just, yeah. I, again, um, People who know me know they 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 hear me on the radio. They see my blogs. They hear the podcast. They uh, have followed what I have done with arena football and things like that. But you know, at the, at the end of the day, I'm not in this business without being a sports fan, mm-hmm. and I, I just I, I don't want it to be a business. Granted, you know, you like getting the paycheck and you like being able to. Um, you know, have a family and provide for them and everything like that. But at the end of the day, I, I do what I do for a living because I love sports. Yeah. Um, and, you know, if I was passionate about selling insurance, I would have been an insurance salesman. If, if I had the same passion as my dad to be a salesman, I would have, I would have been a salesman, but that, that's not what I, that's not what drives me. What, what drives me outside of my family is, is sports. And that's why I do this for a living. That's great. That's great. Uh, how can people find you online? New York Sports Day. Plug all your plug all your shit right now. All right, well, <laughs> all. Did you just use a bad word? Oh, I am allowed to do five. My podcast rule is you're allowed to do five. Yeah. And if it's over five, you have to put the explicit on there. I see. Okay. Well, uh, I won't use that same word, but I'll, here's where you can find my stuff. Um, so stuff. you can follow me on. I'm. I'm, I'm as far as like the extravagant social media, um, I'm only on Twitter. So you can follow me on Twitter at Schwartz Sports. Um, I'm not on Instagram. I'm not on TikTok. I leave that up to my kids. They know all that. I, I, don't, I don't bother with anything. I'm not on Instagram or anything like that. So they can follow me there. I post all of my blogs and Your all of my and all that uh, stuff. podcasts. Everything I do when I'm on FAN, I post it on there that I'm on FAN. But um, aside from hearing me on the radio, you can follow all of my stuff at uh, www.nysportsday.com, which is a great website too. People should check out the other content that, that that's on there. Um, I write for USA Football's website. I do a parents blog um, uh, for them, and um, I do some public address for some of the professional sports teams out here on on Long Island. So um, I, I try to keep myself fairly busy, which is which has been a challenge in the pandemic. Oh, I, I have no doubt. I have no doubt. We had a month where we just put people who are super busy. So I had Ian Eagle, Kenny Albert, and Chris Majikowski, three of the busiest human beings I've ever known, 
because they were all stuck at home. And I said, you'll never be able to do the podcast ever again. And it's been accurate because now they're all working and they're all doing games. All do right. You want, do you want to know how, how, how much I miss going to sporting events? I told you the, the last professional sporting event I went to was on March 7th. A friend of our family's son played in a Little League game uh, a few <laughs> weeks ago. And um, his mom called my wife. You know, both of our families are very, very close with each other. And um, said, oh, uh, he's playing in a, in a game on Friday night. Do you want to come? When my wife brought it to my attention, I'm like, of course. I, want I have not been to a base, <laughs> a, a, any kind of sporting event since March 7th. And I guess this was in July. This was last month. Um, and I'm like, let's go. We stayed for the whole game. Seth, it was wonderful. Oh, so funny. <laughs> I can, and now I can't wait for my kids to start their their fall sports because I don't know when I'm going to get to a professional sporting event again, but very, very soon in a couple of weeks, my, my younger son's going to be playing little league uh, fall baseball <laughs> and flag football. My older son until New York, until Nassau County approves high school sports, he's going to be playing deck hockey and some other form of flag football. So I'm looking forward to that until I'm able to walk into a stadium or arena again. Awesome. Great stuff. Uh, you heard his Twitter handle. Um, and so here's what I'll tell you. Uh, if you have any issue with anything that uh, was said in today's podcast, do me a favor, reach out to Peter and leave me the hell out of it uh, because that's how this podcast rolls. Uh, Peter, thanks again uh, for your time. Let your kids go play with their Xbox. Stay safe, my friend, and uh, let's hang out in the media. I want to hang out at the media lunch room at the MetLife Stadium for halftime of a Jets-Dolphins game once again. Well, you know what? I hope there gets to a point this year where uh, more members of the media can get approved for credentials and I can meet <laughs> you out there and go to a game. <laughs> Very nice. For Peter Schwartz, my name is Seth Everett. Again, please continue to rate and review That's How iTunes Markets Podcast. Thanks for listening to Sports with Friends. We will see you next week. If you want me to stay, I'll be around today to be available. For you to see I'm about to go And then you'll know For me to stay I got to be me You'll never be in doubt That's what it's all about You can't take me for granted And smile Come on, please I'm gone Forget reaching me by phone Because I promise I'll be gone for a You have been the kind of person that you really are now.